You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Should a charity softball game make the Texans and J.J. Watt rethink an annual event? In today's show, we're going to hit on that story, and you'll hear from an NFL strength of schedule expert who breaks down the AFC South. Hello, everybody. I'm Robert Land from the Houston Sports Talk Podcast, alongside my partner and co-host, Brian Patterson from House of Houston. Welcome back to Locked On Texans. Of course, we're your best daily source of Texans news, views, and interviews, daily coverage of your Houston Texans. We're part of the FanRag Sports Network. Brian, a bizarre story over the weekend. I don't know if you caught this, but Green Bay linebacker Clay Matthews was pitching in a charity softball game, a slow pitch game, and Packers offensive lineman Lucas Patrick laced one right back at Clay, broke his nose. And if you didn't see the video, I tweeted it out on Lockdown Texans. It was nasty looking. And Brian, if you're a Texans coach or J.J. Watt, it's got to get your attention because remember that J.J. has his annual charity softball game. Of course, the good news is this year, Watt canceled it because of his rehab on his leg. Maybe that was a good thing, but maybe they they got to rethink about this uh, for the future, you know? Yeah, ultimately, I think it's still going to go on. I mean, you can put in all the safeguards that you want, but it's just one of those freak injuries that, you know, has there's a chance of it happening, but it's very, very minuscule. And uh, it's just one of those uh, that that sucks types of moments where he got hit in the nose. He'll be fine. He'll recover. Um, Nothing to worry about for Clay Matthews, because, you know, guys get broken noses all the time when they're playing football. But, uh, yeah, it, ultimately the, the goal is to, you know, be out there raising money for charity, whatever you're doing it for, and you'll uh, bounce back. But the J.J. Watt, uh, which usually would be held at this time of the year, probably maybe a few weeks ago, usually it's held in mid to late May, um, you know, it, it's going to go on, and um, it's, it's all for a great cause. Yeah, and J.J., maybe if he gets hit in the nose, uh, it'll straighten it back up. Remember a few years ago, remember he had that all bloody nose and everything like that. Yeah. He got busted up during a game. And yeah, you know, I, I just, I can't help but thinking uh, of those. Uh, they've got those things that the, I think a lot, they do a lot in this, this in girls softball, female softball, where they, they wear like the helmet with the mask on it. I mean, it may look stupid, but I mean, I think it's a great idea. Don't you? I, mean, I would be wearing those if I was doing that. It's a good idea because it's, it's good to protect your interests, but you know, you wonder if the players would be, receptive to that you know because it took them a long time you know with this new batting helmet in baseball you know for these guys to wear it I know Correa wears it a lot so does uh, Marwin Gonzalez Um, it took a lot of players to to get used to it but ultimately it's about safety and uh, you have to think of it you are an asset uh, to a team that you're getting paid a lot of money for and you have to do make every step to protect it so I understand where you're coming from yeah, it's interesting story. Again, the video up on Lockdown Texans. We, we retweeted that video. Uh, you can see uh, Matthews take that softball right to the head. Scary, scary looking for sure. Uh, they took him to the hospital, but, you know, it looks like it's it maybe a broken nose and, that, and that's about it. Uh, other news, Tennessee Titans tight end. Delaney Walker says he's the best tight end in the NFL. What do you think, Brian? Let's see. He's been to the last three Pro, Pro Bowls. Uh, 74 catches and 807 yards last year. And he said, quote, honestly, I feel like I'm the best tight end in the NFL in all phases, blocking, run blocking, catching the ball. 
breaking tackles, stuff like that. At the end of the day, if you don't feel like that, you shouldn't be in the league, unquote. You agree, Brian? Absolutely not. But I, I appreciate him being in that, that type of zone. <laughs> I mean, come on now. I mean, there's a guy up in New England by the name of Rod Gunkowski. He's going to be a Hall of Famer in just his short career. The guy has had five seasons where he has had quadruple digits in receiving yards. He has 76 touchdowns on his career. And Delaney Walker, he only has one. 20, the 2015 season, you know, one of his best, he had 1,088 yards. This guy only has 34 touchdowns. Now, you can blame the quarterback. He didn't always have the greatest of quarterbacks to play with. But, uh, you know, it, it's good that Delaney Walker said that because that motivates him. I mean, because he, obviously he's the only one that thinks that. And <laughs> he's in some sort of delusional world. But, uh, yeah, no, the best tight end in this league right now is Rob Gronkowski, and there's no if, and, or buts about it. Yeah, don't forget Delaney Walker for the beginning part of his career. He was with the – he's 33 years old. When he was with the 49ers, he's sitting behind Vernon Davis, one of the best guys in the NFL – uh, you know, he's got Matt, was it, well, Matt, is it Matt Hasselbeck that was throwing him the football for a few years at, at, with Tennessee? Which one of the Hasselbeck brothers was that? Yeah, that was, uh, that Matt, Matt played with the Colts. I'm trying to remember who else. No, who else no, was, it was Matt. I'm thinking Matt Hasselbeck with the Seahawks, but he had one, never mind. He had one of the, he had some crummy, oh, he had some crummy, crummy quarterbacks he, he's played with over the years. Um, I mean, <laughs> What was the guy that J.J. Watt used to make fun of, and and he would and he would beat up the old uh, LSU quarterback, uh, uh, that that guy. I, I, I can't remember the, the, the. You can't even remember the names. They're, they've been so bad over the years. Uh, obviously, they've got a, a guy that's a pretty good quarterback right now. But uh, if you look at it, Delaney Walker fourth last year on Pro Football Focus as far as tight ends. Hunter Henry, who's second, is out for the season. So maybe he could argue he's better than the guy that's out for the season uh, coming up this year. And he's better than third ranked Travis Kelsey. Is he maybe, but yeah, you mentioned Rob Gronkowski. He's pretty dang good, but you know, like you said, uh, Gronkowski's got Tom Brady throwing him the football. It sure makes it easy when you got uh, Mr. Brady throwing you the football for your entire career. That's quite a difference. And by the way, Walker went to school at central Missouri, same school as Astros owner, Jim Crane. Yeah. That, that school uh, up in Warrensburg. So, uh, Delaney Walker is a guy that the, the, the Texans are going to have to keep an eye on. And I'm, I'm happy that they've got some better safety play because uh, they can maybe, you know, keep a guy like that a little bit better, uh, you know, better under control, under wraps uh, during the during those games. So anyway, we're uh, Brian, we're about to hear from an expert in the NFL strength of schedules and what he thinks about the Texans, the Colts and the AFC South based on his research. But first, uh, let me just remind everybody, if you're enjoying the show. Tell your friends. Let them know they can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Megaphone, Podchaser, TuneIn, and Spotify. If you'd like to check out more Locked On podcasts from our national network, go to LockedOnSports.com, our new Locked On Network website. We have podcasts for nearly every NFL and NBA team. We started at MLB Podcasts. We got the Locked On NFL Draft. And as you'll hear very shortly, we're going to be talking about the Locked On NFL podcast as well. It's all on LockedOnSports.com. That's LockedOnSports.com. Our Locked On colleague, Matt Williamson, who hosts Locked On NFL, recently brought on Warren Sharp, and Sharp's website, SharpFootballAnalysis.com, really breaks down, among other things, NFL teams' strength of schedule. I thought what Sharp had to say regarding the AFC South and the Texans, pretty darn interesting, especially since the Texans 
have, according to the experts, the easiest strength of schedule. Let's hear a portion of Matt Williamson and Warren Sharp's conversation. Matt asked him about the Texans. Sharp pivots to the Colts, but trust me, he'll come back to Houston and head on some other fascinating bits of info. Houston is first. And I mentioned them before, you know, they didn't have J.J. Watt. Merciless was out a big portion of the year. Uh, obviously, Watson. So not only do they get those guys back as well as, you know, Tyron Matthew and moves that every other team type of makes, but they got a pretty easy slate. Yeah, they got a, they've got a really easy slate. Um, obviously, you know, the sports books right now are projecting the Indianapolis Colts to really struggle. And right now the Colts are only favored in three games. And I know you said at the beginning of the podcast that you, you think it's going to be difficult for this team to, to win very many. But the way I look at the Colts is this is a team that played a more difficult schedule last year. They brought in Jacoby Brissett right before the start of the season. I mean, he had hardly any time with the team. They yeah. had a late trade with the New England Patriots. They were leading in nine of their 16 games entering the fourth quarter. Their offensive coordinator was horrendous. I wrote about this at length. He cost them a number of games by being so predictable. He would only pass the ball out of three wide receiver formations in the fourth quarter, which they were at their worst throwing the ball out of three wide receiver formations because they don't have depth at wide receiver. They were at their best when they utilized two tight ends to pass the football. But when they had two tight ends on the field, they would only run the football in the fourth quarter. So it became very predictable over time. I think that even if Andrew Luck's not there, this is a team that could come close to their six wins, even though the AFC East, sorry, AFC South is getting better, it seems, uh, yearly. And of course, the Houston Texans are going to be better now that they have Watson there the entire year. But regardless of whether or not we think that the Colts are going to be a five-win team or an eight-win team, in either case, they're not quite as good as they've been in years past when Luck has been at his peak. Okay, well, I think we both can agree on that. And so they have that benefit. They also have the benefit of simply just playing an easy schedule. I mean, we could talk right now about the AFC versus the NFC in terms of strength of schedule. Right now, the NFC is just so stacked with good young quarterbacks and some savvy veteran guys who are still very good, like the Aaron Rodgers, like the Drew Brees, that it's very difficult playing in the NFC. And if you look at the easiest seven schedules in the NFL, team schedules in the NFL, easiest ones based on strength of schedule this year, those first seven all reside in the AFC. And if you look at the 12 most difficult schedules in the NFL for this upcoming year, 10 of the 12 reside in the NFC. It's just so, I mean, the easiest schedule for the NFC right now is Green Bay, and they rank eighth overall in terms of ease wow. of schedule. So it's just so much easier being in the AFC in general this year. And you look at pretty much any division, and they're not, quite as good as what they've been in years past um with the afc south being that exception uh, we'll have to see what the steelers do but there have been what 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 the Bengals do sorry there have been years where the Bengals, the steelers and the ravens were all like you know going to the playoffs or, or winning like nine plus games and the Bengals have fallen off a little bit we'll see if they can they can rebound um but overall i think the NFC is just much more competitive with, with better teams. So the Texans getting the benefit of playing in the AFC, getting the benefit of winning, I think it was just four games last year, so they're playing a fourth-place schedule, mm -hmm. and they get to play the Colts a couple of times. It's just really a good setup uh, for their season this upcoming year. One of the things that we've noticed in the past when, when I've looked at the easiest schedule in the league 
and I use my metrics obviously to calculate that, it goes a long way to predicting success for a particular running game. Last year, if you look at what uh, the, the Jacksonville Jaguars were able to do with Leonard Fournette in his rookie deal, Leonard Fournette posted some great numbers. He finishes RB number eight in fantasy. But if you look at what he actually did on a per game basis in terms of his efficiencies, it was not good. 50% right. of his runs gained two or less yards. That ranked 25th out of 28 running backs. He was more uh, of a only, volume runner than a dynamic it, one. Exactly. He got all of his production, his touchdowns, his his yardage totals, based upon the fact that they had leads in games and they could run the ball a lot more in the fourth quarter. And part of that reason was they faced the easiest schedule in the league. So a lot of people think, oh, strength of schedule is not that important. And I, I'll let people think whatever they want to think, Matt. <laughs> I'm not going to debate them about it. It's their loss if they're not going to factor in strength of schedule. But right now, Houston is that team. We'll see if Lamar Miller can get the bulk of the carries this year to be as productive as Leonard Fournette was in prior years. I don't think they have quite as a defined running back picture in Houston as Jacksonville did last season. But right now, Miller is the man, and uh, we'll, we'll see how he ends up doing this year. Yeah, it certainly bodes well for Sony Michelle, or you know, I mean, a couple of these other teams at the top of your list with easiest right. schedules. And just real quick, while you were saying that about the NFC versus AFC, I pulled up my power ranks from yesterday, and six of my top eight teams are in the NFC. And one, two, three, four, my bottom four are all in the AFC. You know, I mean, it's not only is it really heavy in the NFC, but they don't have any bad teams either. Like, I have Seattle as my worst team in the NFC, and they have an eight-win, uh, you know, over-under on with them. You know, I, so... And that matches what that matches what they've got out in Las Vegas. I mean, if you look at the teams that are ten to one or lower to win the Super Bowl, meaning like they're highly favored, you're not mm-hmm. going to get as much of a return on your money. Teams that are ten to one to win the Super Bowl, five of those seven teams, there's seven of them that are listed. Five of the seven come from the NFC. Wow. So, um, and if you're looking at like just the top four teams, three of those four come from the NFC. So it, it definitely is. Uh, you know, the power rankings and, and what they have out in Las Vegas mirror that as well. Uh, Warren, I want to let you go here. Um, before I do, is there any real interesting trend or stat or anomaly that you just want to throw out and, and that our listeners know? Something that stood out to you or if not, no big deal. But I mean, I was just curious, is there something that's like, wow, this is really interesting. I'm curious how this shakes out. I think one of the more interesting stories of this year is going to be out in the Pacific Northwest with the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah. Last year, I had them as the second easiest schedule, and they won a number of games last year. I mean, if you look back, they won more than probably a lot of people think that they won because they didn't have as great of a season. But their team was obviously much more depleted. I mean, their offensive line still isn't good. They lost a number of players on defense through injury last year. And now you look at this team. I mean, Richard Sherman's gone. Their defense is not going to be quite as good, which has been great for years. Offensively, they instead of helping short their offensive line early, they went and drafted Rashad Penny, who uh, might be a very good running back, but they went up into the first round and got this guy. And he lacks the reception ability at least he did in college and well as well there's questions about his pass protection so those two things are really important for a running back because that's what keeps you on the field and that what that is a big efficiency edge is throwing the football to a running back so um, that's an issue for them and what they drafted this year and their players that they lose but they move from the second easiest schedule from last year by my projections down to the third most difficult 
this upcoming season. And you look at that division that they're in, obviously the Rams are significantly better than what they were to start last season in terms of what we thought of them. And of course, it's just it's just a very challenging schedule because now you got Jimmy Garoppolo in that division and he is very good. And the 49ers obviously played really well with him. So um, it's it's a it's a difficult division, number one, to play in. But number two, their overall schedule, I mean, we talked about it, the NFC, they are in the NFC. They're playing a very difficult schedule this upcoming year of non-division opponents. They're playing a lot of good conference opponents. It's going to be really interesting to see. I mean, I love Russell Wilson. I think he's carried that team a lot. Uh, it'll be really interesting to see how much he can carry them this upcoming year because of the schedule. Yeah, that, that's one of the teams that jumps out to me as the under. I mean, right now the line I'm looking at is eight games. I can't see them being a 9-7 and seven team. I, I think they have a better chance of picking in the top six or seven in the draft than they do of having a winning record. And one last note, because you mentioned this too, that doesn't bode well for Seattle, even though they did, you know, draft Penny in the first round. As you mentioned, you know, that usually if you have an easier schedule, like Jacksonville and Fournette, you run the ball. Well, Seattle still didn't, even with the easiest schedule in the league last year. Right. And now they're going to be against a very difficult schedule with yeah. questionable pass protection. And, you know, you when, you when you're playing a difficult schedule, this is one of the things, one of the reasons why I think there's an actually a good chance that even though uh, Sam, uh, even though that Sam Bradford is out there in Arizona, like Josh Rosen might be getting a start pretty early. Number one, Sam Bradford is not going to get a, as many reps with the ones during training camp because they're trying to rest his knee and keep him healthy. But they face a downright brutal three first weeks of the season in terms of opposing defenses, in particular opposing pass rushes. And the Arizona Cardinals offensive line isn't very good. And they're going to, because they're playing a difficult schedule, they're going to have to be throwing the ball a lot. And that's the same type of thing, like a parallel with, the uh, Seattle Seahawks, they're going to have to be throwing the ball a little bit more because they're going to be in more difficult games where they may not be having a lead. Their defense is going to give up suddenly a bit more points on the sure. scoreboard, most likely. That's going to force this offense to do more than they've done in the past against a much more difficult schedule. That was Locked On NFL's Matt Williamson with strength of schedule guru Warren Sharp. If you want to hear their whole 40-minute conversation, check it out on Locked On NFL All Part of our Locked On Network. Now, before we get into what they said, just a quick reminder to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, email us at LockedOnTexans at Mail.com. If you forget any of that, just go to the show description of each podcast. It's all right there. If you're a fan of Locked On Texans, either email us a question or record a message. Just real simple. Use the voice memo on your phone if you want to. That's a great way to do it. Email LockedOnTexans, again, LockedOnTexans at Mail.com, and we'll use it on the show. Brian, any thoughts on what Warren Sharp had to say? I guess he thinks, uh, bottom line, AFC sucks compared to the NFC. That was one of the big things you definitely take away from that. But we knew that. We knew that. Yeah, yeah. He makes a good point about that. But I think that we have a lot of formidable competition in our schedule. Um, he can say that you know the AFC is not as competitive. Uh, you, you just never know, and that's why you have to play the games. I mean, we're just basing this off of uh, projections, predictions, and stats from last season and seasons previous. You never know what's going to happen. The AFC could be a powerhouse, but based off the talent that the NFC has, there's no question that they're going to be a lot more competitive, uh, as uh, you know, Warren was alluding to. So uh, it's an interesting viewpoint that, that he has about that. And um, they do talk a lot about the, the Seahawks there. 
and uh, it's it's going to be a difficult season for them because they lost a lot. They and we don't play them this season, um, but uh, it, it's just definitely going to be something to keep your eye on. And uh, I'm certainly looking forward to it. I I hope I hope our our season is as successful as you know what people are predicting it to be. That's what it needs to be. Yeah, shots fired a little bit I, when you talk about the Seahawks. I guess at, at our old friend Dwayne Brown because he's one of the guys that's going to have to deal with that pass protection issue that he he's talking about. But you know, he as as much as he said the AFC stinks. You know, he was pointing out that the AFC South is the power of the conference for sure. And the other thing that I thought was interesting, I don't know what you thought, you know, he's just saying Leonard Fournette might not have had a, as great a season as we think because, like he said, that Jacksonville defense set it up to where they got to run the ball out in the fourth quarter. When you're up in games, and we've seen with, the, with, with this with the Texans for years, yeah, you get to run the ball. Arian Foster would rack up yards because, uh, you know, sort of in those, in those later years because the defense under Wade was much better. And all of a sudden, guess what? You get to run the ball in the fourth quarter because you got the lead. You're running out the clock. And it'd be interesting to see if Lamar Miller could take advantage of that. He didn't mention Deontay Foreman. I think Deontay Foreman is the guy you want in that situation. A power back, uh, a guy that can, you know, chew it up, go, you know, you can run him between the tackles. Lamar Miller, to me, is, I, I mean, I'm sorry. The guy's still outside the tackles guy. We, the Texans for years, O'Brien for years, has been forcing him inside, which you know, I just think is idiocy. I mean, he's just not that guy. And and on the other hand, you got Deontay Foreman. If he's healthy, you know, or maybe it's Alfred Blue, one of those guys could have a, a decent year just because if you got the lead in the fourth quarter because of the Texans' defense, because you're up in games, because of the schedule, uh, you got a great defense that should be able to 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 keep games uh, pretty low scoring on the other end of the on the other side of the ball. I mean, hey, I mean, if you're the Texans. Uh, it's a great chance for your running game to do something. And then the offensive line, they can, they can work on their run. We'd like to see them work on their run blocking a little bit as opposed to trying to uh, keep Deshaun Watson healthy. I don't know about you, but I, I don't know if I want to see them a ton trying to you know, pass block for Deshaun Watson all year long. That's right. That's right. And and also uh, what needs to be mentioned is, is that we do have the offense to, to go up uh, in games and to, to have leads because, you know, when you have a great defense, but you can't put points up on the board, then you are sometimes playing from behind because you can't put points up on the board. And Lord knows we've been through, you know, those particular eras, you know, back when Bill O'Brien first started with the Texans. But now we've got the tool set. We've got the guys out there that are fast and speedy, and hopefully uh, they do what they are asked to do out there. We know Deshaun Watson will, and um, and this works as designed. All right, one more little minor note uh, from the past couple of days. Browns coach Hugh Jackson said he – would jump into Lake Erie if the Browns didn't win a game. Well, Brian, he and 100 Browns staffers all ran into Lake Erie Friday to raise $30,000 in charity. I like that he fulfilled his promise, but notice how he waited until June when the temps were, hey, they're, they're a lot warmer in June up in Ohio. Uh, it was still in the 50s, but not quite the same if he had done this after the season and risks of frostbite, come on, you, you come on. That's that to me. That's a little bit of a cop out. It, it it is. It is. I was just up in Cleveland as we talked about uh, the weekend. You know, last weekend, not this weekend. And uh, you know, temps were going up in the eighty five. I mean, it, it was nice and warm. The water was warm. Uh, but it would have really been a nice challenge if he would have jumped in January or February. And, uh, you know, it didn't have to be in there long, but just to prove that point. But 
<laughs> yeah, it, it, at least he did it. But man, come on, you know, it, it's just not something that uh, that makes as much of a statement. That's why you're the Browns, because even when you try to make a a statement, you're you're going, coming in on on the bet that you promised and everything like that. You, you just don't go all in on it, and that's that that to me is the Browns. They just don't want to go all in on anything. Uh, finally, f- finally, maybe Baker Mayfield they're going all in on. We'll we'll, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you never know with Baker. Uh, it's, you know, I, I was shocked that they had, you know, gone all the way up to get him. You know, I thought they were going to go a different direction, but uh, wouldn't it be so Browns if if he does flop? I mean, <laughs> yeah. I don't, but, I don't want to kill him because I feel, I, I feel a kinship. I mean, as you know, Oilers slash Texans fans, we've gone through it. It's obviously they've had a rougher last fifteen to twenty years than the Texans, but uh, you know, I'd like to see. I've got some Browns. Uh, friends and uh, I could just call them Browns fans, friends, I guess. And uh, I'd like to see, you know, them do a little bit better. Just it'd make it interesting. It'd be more fun if the Browns were, were good. I think, I, I think everybody's a little bit tired of making fun of those poor guys. Uh, hey, let's wrap things up. Uh, Brian's got it all covered on house of Houston, a fan side affiliate, go to house of Houston.com to follow everything going on in Houston sports, rockets, Astros, Cougars. It's all right there. My Houston sports talk podcast, easy to find on iTunes, and most anywhere you listen to podcasts, looking forward to an interview with Galen White, who talks about a guy named Artie Wilson. He wrote a book about him. Artie Wilson broke the color barrier uh, back in the 40s in baseball. What are, you talk, what, are you, what are we talking about? Just listen to the show. It's going to be a fun one. And also, when you're done listening to today's Locked On Texans, make sure to rate us on iTunes. Let us know what you think or what you might suggest, and we'll take it to heart for sure. But that's all we got for this one. As always, thanks for making us a part of your week. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Get off the-